0: Nature is not for free. It's only there because somebody hasn't killed it. And by not killing it, they've denied themselves an income. Welcome to See Africa, Breathe
1: Africa, a weekly podcast made to bring responsible tourism closer to you. It's moderated by a travel consultant and cultural tourism expert, Miha Logar, and an Afro-Fusion musician, Joe Kahiri. This time, Miha is on Uganda's Lake Bunyonyi. Kahiri is in the country's capital, Kampala, and the third Gorilla Highlands expert, photographer Marcus Westberg, is calling in from Portugal. See Africa. Breeze Africa. Better late than never, this episode discusses what responsible tourism is all about. And we aren't boring, oh no. First of all, responsible tourism has two ugly or pretty sisters. Ecotourism is catchy enough to be in the Oxford Dictionary, defined as tourism directed towards exotic, often threatened, natural environments, intended to support conservation efforts and observe wildlife. For sustainable tourism, Google first spits out that it is tourism that takes full account of its current and future economic, social, and environmental impacts. Sounds good? Well, not necessarily to our guest, Harold Goodwin. A forceful advocate for responsible tourism hit our show notes to read about his background and credentials gorilla highlands experts take full responsibility for the provocative discussion that follows
2: ladies and gentlemen boys and girls well it's a time when we Africa yeah See, Africa. Breathe, Africa. See, Africa yeah so last week we ended off on a note about responsible tourism and uh yeah Miha what is this concept of responsible tourism? I mean like I have a sort of fuzzy grasp of it And it's exciting, but I I want us
3: to talk about this and just... Kahiri, we are having this conversation 10 episodes in. That is, my friend, a little bit irresponsible of you. (laughs) And if you expect me now to try to present the whole idea holistically, I don't actually feel that ready for that. But as always, I have friends, Harold When I say that you are one of the faces of responsible tourism, how does that make you feel?
0: A a bit embarrassed. I mean, it's been a very big part of my life over the last 25 years. What exactly is the origin of the term? Because it's just one of the many terms that keep circulating. One of the origins is Josh Krippendorf, who wrote a book called The Holiday Makers, and he reflected on the ways in which, as we move beyond mass tourism, people would want to get more out of their trip as he said one of the things we need is rebellious tourists and rebellious locals He also said that as travellers we all have to bear in mind that we have the opportunity to build humanity or not in the way in which we choose to travel. We can do good in the world by the way we travel or we can fail to do that. The other origin was in work done by Voluntary Service Overseas. They surveyed in about 1995 all the people they had working in villages around the world and asked what was the biggest problem that those villagers were confronting. And the thing which came top of the list was tourism out of that came a campaign to create ethical tourism and we discovered from that ethical was too big a claim and we settled on responsible because it was about people actually doing something to make a difference
3: in the gorilla highlands region the other term eco-tourism is much more popular
0: who who wouldn't be in favor of something which is eco The the claims made by ecotourism, really they need to be asked to demonstrate the difference they're making. And that's fundamental to responsible tourism, is about being transparent about what you're doing and what the impact of what you're doing is. And I'm afraid most ecotourism companies fail that test. The truth is, there's very little difference between an ecotourist and any other kind of tourist. Because if you look at it in terms of who is benefiting from ecotourism, The main beneficiary is the traveller, who may be getting a superior guide and may be travelling in a smaller group. But the impact on the local community and the conserved or protected area or the natural area that's being visited is no different from any other tourist. Now, having said that, there are responsible forms of ecotourism and you can find ecotourists who are travelling responsibly But ecotourism is, unfortunately, is a label attached to lots of things which are not responsible. You seem to be
3: critical of ecotourism because you really studied it thoroughly and you found things lacking. Uh, But there is another term that is also quite common and that is sustainable tourism. That one is quite close to responsible tourism, isn't it?
0: No, it's about a million miles apart. The critical question is, what's the problem that you're addressing? What are you taking responsibility for? What are you doing about that problem? What resources are you putting into it? And what is the impact of what you're doing? And sustainability, I think, is really just an aspiration. And it's an aspiration I share but it doesn't actually deliver anything.
4: What is to stop the same thing happening to the term responsible tourism, as has already happened to eco and sustainable tourism? I mean, the other two are more popular at the moment, which is probably part of the reason why the greenwashing is is more obvious for them, because a few companies will start something, they do a good job. Everyone else realizes that, oh, this is a, a great thing to be able to market. So we'll install two solar panels and we'll call ourselves sustainable.
0: Marcus, you put your finger on my biggest concern. It's one of the reasons that I've been so vociferous in campaigning against certification, because certification may well be the biggest form of greenwashing that there is. In Morocco, on one famous occasion, I've been booked into what was supposed to be a gold standard sustainable hotel, I went to my room. Temperature outside was, I don't know, 32, 33. The temperature in my room was 15. I turned the temperature up. I go out for supper. I come back and the temperature's down at 15 degrees, and the TV is on again. Somehow, that place got certified as being a sustainable hotel. So I think, in the end, it's my biggest fear is that responsible tourism will disappear down a rabbit hole. And the only way to prevent that happening is by working with consumers to be much more aggressively critical to identify whether the claims being made by the business are accurate or not. I left school in 1970. The children leaving school now have got much more knowledge about ecology and environment, and they are the new consumers. But for them to be successful as critics, We need the businesses and the destinations to be much more transparent about what they're claiming one of the movements i'm very enthusiastic about at the moment is booking.com who have decided to encourage businesses who book who use their platform to declare what they're doing in terms of sustainability and that's what we need to happen that is the way in the end the industry will be policed it will be by consumers going for compensation on the basis that they've been missold. The word responsible is kind of looked at
2: as a fun killer. When you hear the word responsible tourism, it's like, oh, okay, it's kind of like health diet people just trying to have fun and live their best lives. And I think that maybe instead of trying to just appeal to people's sense of I'm a good guy and I'm just trying to make the world better for everybody in the world, start using the message of
0: it's more fun this way, it's better this way, you have a better experience this way. You've hit the nail on the head. The modern tourist is looking for self-actualization. And it is about feeling good about your life. People want that. If you look at the track record of responsible tourism in terms of where it's made a really big difference, the disappearance of riding on elephant back, the decline in the number of people wanting to swim with dolphins, the success that we've had on orphanage tourism and volunteering in orphanages is all to do with people not wanting to feel guilty about the trip they've had and the businesses understanding that they damaged their brand If somebody looks back and thinks, oh, I wish I hadn't bought that swimming with dolphin experiences.
2: I think now the thing is how to market that, how to make it the
0: cool thing. The problem about responsibility is it can make you feel good, but it's also overloaded with being the responsible. So in French, for example, responsible tourism is quite negative because the sense of it doing good is outweighed by the sense of you being to blame. In English, it's more the other way in chinese it's more evenly balanced than it is in french so there's a real problem about the cultural meaning of the word the word itself is not the point you can present it with any word you like but again i'd say i want to see the evidence if you're going to claim you're being responsible show me the evidence of what you're doing to regenerate that community's life and show me that you're doing it with them and not to them and i think that's a fundamental principle that has to be empowerment
2: is there ever a case where people from outside might benefit the communities as opposed to what the communities think is best for them? Kohiri,
0: of course there is. What for me is critical to the idea of partnership, which is shared risk. If you're on a donor-funded project, you're not really taking any risk. You're not spending your own money, your reputation's not at stake, and you're gonna get on the plane and go home. So to talk about yourself being in partnership with the local community is dishonest. But it's also true, and I did this at Windy, impenetrable national forest there were quite a lot of local communities who were making different kinds of baskets and we realized that they weren't able to sell them very well so what we did was to find an artist to design for them better baskets about a month later they couldn't keep the stock on the shelves it was all disappearing so fast that i think is an example of how someone from outside can help when it's about shared risk. We are in
3: many ways suffering from our desire to be pure, but fundamentally earning instead of being given is just to me personally, the much healthier approach. I I much prefer developing the tourism product than
0: writing reports and applying for, for this and that grant. Look, at the personal level, I couldn't agree with you more, but one of the things I had not clocked was just how successful you could be with crowdfunding from tourists who've been there before. Most of the groups I traveled with would have been very happy to contribute to somebody from the local community who had a good idea for a project.
4: Can I just um, zoom, zoom out? Your trip somewhere can have a net positive effect if you are working with a truly responsible operator and you are in an area that would not be protected and would not contain wildlife and would not have any local work opportunities if it wasn't for that. A lot of people they will hear that as nothing but excuses. They will hear that if you get on an airplane, you are guilty. And I I wrote an article about this in the New York Times recently, and a third of the commentators would just go to to personal attacks because I flew somewhere in order to write about the fragile environment and to, to document it.
0: The issue is not flying. It's the dirty fuel. I was very unpopular for arguing against carbon offsetting. If I was a dictator and could control the world, I wouldn't allow carbon offsetting. Because what carbon offsetting did was to encourage the environmentalists to line up with the aviation industry because they saw it as a great way of getting money. But i tell you what's really exciting me in my 70s. There's a sea fuel project, and it's using sunlight to create hydrogen from seawater. Now, imagine in the Gambia, they could actually manufacture locally the hydrogen to sell to the airline so that the airline would be fueling itself with hydrogen which the Gambia had produced. That is the future I want to see. But
2: then somebody like me sitting here being part of this discussion I'm thinking myself okay what can someone like me do to make tourism more responsible because I mean I can't start creating a hydrogen-powered aircraft. I can hardly spell hydrogen,
0: you know. I think it's looking for those small-scale, green, ecologically-friendly initiatives, which are absolutely local. There are areas now where um, single mothers are given solar panels and a little uh, mobile phone recharging unit, and they make a living from that. After
3: our conversation in the previous episode, one of our members reached out to me and said, what do you mean, responsible tourism and motorboats? I understand dugout canoes, but why do you want to get involved in motorized uh, activities? I would really want to hear your take on that
0: particular practical issue. On the one hand, you could argue, canoe-based tourism experiences where you're employing people to paddle the canoes will put more money into the local economy. I'd also want to say, however, that that can be very demeaning work And actually there are now a number of game reserves where both the Land Rovers and the the boats used on the river are powered by solar energy. So I think that there are ways of overcoming this, but basically there'd be no reason to maintain wildlife areas if there wasn't some money coming from outside the system. What infuriated me about the research we did was the realization that the tourists were not even meeting the costs of their being managed in the park. They were paying so little for the experience of entering the park that their visit was being subsidised by the taxpayers of those countries, which is insane.
2: And as we always do, ladies and gentlemen, let's tune out with a song. This song is called Asiyai. It's by a guy that I bumped into on YouTube. His name is Manasi Shalom from Nairobi. It's just so beautiful. So this is my version of it, right? Okay. I don't really know what he says on that part. <laughs>
1: even one episode of such a thought-provoking show. Follow us on Apple Podcasts by pressing the plus button at the top. Or on Spotify, you should simply tap follow under the podcast title. We record with a live Zoom audience every Tuesday and publish the episodes by the weekend.